Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we definitely thank you for listening to us, whether it is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. No matter how you join us, we always thank you for joining us here. we got a good show for you tonight. No Dave Hastings this week, unfortunately, but we will be joined by Eric Tressler in a matter of moments here. Sure, we'll get some Larry Schmelrose at some point. Maybe even Cousin David, for all we know. We got a lot to talk about tonight. The first, and I think I think David mentioned this a couple weeks ago, we're past June 1st. So now if guys like Deshaun Watson or Brett Favre are going to get traded, this would be the time to do it because of certain salary cap implications. The first domino has fallen. Julio Jones has been traded from the Atlanta Falcons to the Tennessee Titans for a second-round pick, and I believe it was a fourth-round pick as well. So we got that to talk about tonight. We got the NBA playoffs rolling along. Um, uh, Of course, the Knicks did lose game five last week uh, to the Atlanta uh, Hawks. I almost said Falcons for some reason. Um, So we're going to talk about that. We've had some postseason awards get named. Uh, Julius Randle did win Most Improved Player of the Year. Tom Thibodeau did, in fact, win NBA Coach of the Year and rightfully deserved. Um, So we got that to talk about. And then just a few hours ago, Nikola Jokic, the center for the Denver Nuggets, was named MVP of the NBA for 2021, uh, excuse me, the 2020-2021 season. Excuse me. So we got that to talk about tonight. And the um, playoff matchups, we're in the semifinals now. Uh, Atlanta took the first game of the series against the Philadelphia 76ers. Game two will be starting about a half hour from now when we're recording this. Uh, the LA Clippers will be taking on the Utah Jazz tonight. You have the Denver Nuggets. Uh, taking on the Phoenix Suns, who hold a one nothing lead over the Nuggets. Uh, Brooklyn is now up two two to nothing over the Milwaukee Bucks. That series going on, and just to name all the day, I believe that's all the series. Actually, that's all four of them, right? Yes. Okay, so that that's your semifinal matchups there, and uh, beyond that, we have some baseball to talk about. This gentleman is here. He is here as soon. Oh, God damn it. Uh, not only know so much of that, we actually heard. Yeah. Hi, Eric. I just apparently my Internet cut out for a minute here while I was talking. So God only knows how much actually went on the air. But anyway, uh, Eric, oh, I, see, I just heard that you're on recording now. So I don't know if you just hit the record button. or if we No, I didn't. Record. Apparently, I just came back online. So I don't know. But Eric Tressler's here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Eric, how you doing? I'm better than the open of the show, apparently. Well, it was going fine until I looked back at the screen. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Ah, moving okay. on. Well, moving, on. moving on. All right. 
I mean, I don't know how much basketball you really want to talk about. I mean, we can rehash what we talked about with the Knicks last week. Obviously, they lost this week. I don't want to rehash anything necessarily that we talked about last week. I will point out, did come down Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year, and I think it's well-deserved. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to bring that up. But I want to bring up something before we talk about the rest of the NBA playoffs. Uh, Because here's the deal. A few weeks ago, I mean, we, we talked about the Nets, how they looked like they were bringing the team together the right way. And then, of course, they signed Durant and Kyrie next, last year. Then they do the trade, trade everybody for Harden. And we talked about how it seemed like that seemed to be the trend in the NBA, or at least what teams aspire to be. And we both hope that the Knicks don't go that route. And you had mentioned, you know, they don't really need to do that. Just add a piece or two here. And I agree with you on that. But... Now that we're in the offseason here, there's a name being bandied about. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's definitely interesting to think about it. And I want your thoughts on, like, what would it take to acquire this person? And could we acquire this person without necessarily blowing up the whole thing? And that is Damian Lillard, because his name has been rumored about as someone the Knicks might target this offseason. And I want your thoughts on this. Oh, did I get cut off again? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm actually going to go to something that that I actually heard Chris Carlin say, so I can't can't take full credit for it. But I I 100% wholeheartedly agree with it. You cannot make that trade for Lillard unless you already have a piece here to go with him, and that piece should have to be a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who's a free agent. If you can convince Kawhi Leonard to leave L.A., to not opt into this, the, the final year of his deal out there and become a free agent and come here with the promise to him of, hey, listen, we're about to go out and trade for Lillard too, then then I think that's worth doing because I think at that rate, yeah, you might have to give up a, a Mitchell Robinson and probably a, a, a quickly in some picks or, you know, I don't think you give up Barrett. That's the one piece I don't want to give up on. He's sure. the third overall sure. pick. He's... He's got tremendous upside. I think he really improved from year one to year two. I don't want to trade him. If you had to give up a quickly and say a Mitchell Robinson plus a first two or or some other picks to get Lillard, I'm doing it. Um, it, Like I said, I'm not, I don't think in that regard, you're selling the farm. You're still able to keep the core group of guys there and yet still dramatically improve the team. But again, that has to come with the guarantee of you're bringing somebody else in too. And you can't go out and trade for that second piece. It has to be a free agent. You cannot afford to go out and trade for two big names. Your roster will not handle it. You will end up exactly like the Nets are right now, where you that young team you built and that core you built, you pretty much traded away to bring in a bunch of stars. I don't really want to see that happen with this team. I don't think it's going to happen with this team. But the Lillard thing becomes a lot more intriguing once, um, once uh, you know, you bring in that second piece. That's the whole thing. You got to get that second piece to go with him. Um, well, otherwise, uh, I'd stick with what you got for another year. Um, try to maybe pick up some other pieces and give it another go next year with this group with another, you know, year to improve with Barrett, another year with Randall being under Tibbs. Um, maybe you could bring back a rose or something like that. If, if you had to, um, 
you can make other things work, but I'm not blowing up the team to bring in two free agents at this point um, to, to try to be some super team that, that to be honest, it's going to wreck them for another 20 years. Well, I mean, I'll say this. That's, that's an interesting point that I honestly hadn't thought of. So you wouldn't think it was worth it to get Lillard by himself without Kawhi? Because I'm going to be honest, I hadn't even thought about Kawhi, truthfully. No. I was just it's thinking about adding him. Because I, don't, I don't think it's worth giving up the young pieces to just go out and get Lillard. Because even with just Lillard, you are not a team that's contending. Well, let me you ask you something. have two stars, Lillard, and, Lillard with an improving Barrett. And, uh, you know, I know most improved player of the year in, in Randall is not enough to win the East. It's not enough to win right now. They need two bona fide stars to come here to be real title contenders. The only way you do that is by not blowing the team up as well. You can well, only I qu- do that if you sign one in free agency and you do and you trade for the other. Well, I question whether or not they'd be able to make the salaries work getting Lillard and Kawhi already they have having seventy-five Randall. million in cap space right they have now. Seventy-five million. Okay, well, that answers that question. In cap space. Yes, no, right. no, no, no. The Knicks are not cap strapped, so they actually okay. can go out and pay for Kawhi and pay for Lillard. They can do yeah. it. They they have the cap space to do it. All right. Well, that's interesting. But here's the thing, because I kind of spent the last week thinking of just Lillard by himself. And I get what you're saying. It would cost young players. But I'm wondering, would the Knicks try to do a little more? I like obviously a package centered around uh, Kevin Knox and Frank Tilakina is not going to work. I understand that. But no. what, what about uh, a Netsoff? Any package starting with Robinson. Any pra- any package is probably starting with a minimum. Well, what about what about Robinson? couple of the young pieces that are not Barrett and four draft picks. Cause I'd give up. Yeah, again, I think I get done. I think you could put quickly Robinson and, and a few draft picks together and get it done for Lillard. I think, I think like that, that's a realistic thing to get him. But I think once you get him, you're no better off with him than you were before without him. I it doesn't, I, I, because again, when you're costing yourself those draft picks on top of, costing yourself the young players because Robinson and quickly are both young, talented players who are yeah, only I, I, looking to improve. I I just don't know if that's worth leveraging for a guy in Lillard who I love and I think is tremendous, but is also, if I'm not mistaken, at least 30 years old right now. I, I'd have to look that one up. I, and first of all, in this scenario, I would try to hang on to quickly. It might be futile, but I'd still try but um, hang on a second, let me look that up. Oh, yeah, listen, if they're willing to take a Nilakina and somebody else, I mean, honestly, I would really love to see the core. If they could keep these four on the roster and find a way, but I just don't think there's any way to do it. And I think it would be uh, uh, Randall, who they're going to end up keeping. They're going to top in uh, quickly and Barrett. You know, mm. I think if Robinson had to go, uh, honestly, I think he brings a lot to any team you would give him to or, or trade him to. But it, you you already saw you could play a year without it. Um, he does seem to get hurt quite a bit. And uh, exactly. you are. So, I mean, you if are, he's the odd man out, I'm OK with it. So you start and there. You, and if they're willing to take Nilakina, somebody's willing to take somebody else, a Burks or something. Again, I don't know if Burks is not even under contract after this year or anything either. I so wouldn't I'm think just so. throwing names out there, but you know, I don't know who yeah. they would take. But again, if it was Nilakina, Robinson, and four first round picks, again, you're leveraging such a huge future in all those first round picks. 
that I, I don't know if it, the return is enough because you're going to be hurting those picks. You're gonna, like those picks are going to be affecting you long after Lillard's gone. And well, I mean, with that, I, and I, is Lillard bringing you a championship? If he is, then it's worth doing. If he's not, I mean, you, I think if you were able to bring in Kawhi in him, that's the, now you're talking with Randall, with Barrett, with an improving quickly, with, with a young top and with some of these other places, you're looking at a team that like, wow, that team, I, that team could be scary. Well, I mean, I, you're also yeah. kind of hedging your bets for the future because I get, I get the idea that, you know, with Lillard on the team next year, you probably would get out of the first round on that one. Not trying to take a shot or anything, just saying the truth on that. But you might not get much further than that. So I hear you on that. In getting Kawhi, you're also hedging your bets in case Randall leaves after free agency after next season. So you got that going for you. So I see you on yeah, that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of upside to try to make that work. But if you cannot bring in Kawhi, you cannot even attempt to make that trade for Lillard in my mind. It's it, it, you would just be you'd be setting the team back instead of helping push them forward. Um, mm. with a trade like that you have to have that second star here and you have to be able to do it without completely blowing up the young core that's here with this team right now because yeah, i'll be honest that's the problem the lakers had is they blew up the whole young core there so this year when when ga- they were gassed out and all they had to turn to was kyle kuzma it wasn't going to get done who's the other who's the other kid of, alex they got rid of ball yeah. they got rid of all these other guys that were players they kept them, alex caruso Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah but look at what he did in the playoffs he didn't do shit for him yeah, you know, I was being sarcastic. Caruso wasn't good. Caruso was garbage. So I mean, mm. the, the, the Lakers are paying dividends for the for the Anthony Davis trade right now because he's a guy that's going to be hurt for them going forward too. You know, yeah. and players that could have helped them this year in the playoffs ended up on other rosters, and you know, yeah. I just I don't want to see the same thing happen to the Knicks. I don't want the Knicks to go down a road where like, oh my God, now we're relevant. Now we got to just trade for stars and try to win that build the winner the right way. They seem to be doing that, putting in that right culture. We've been talking about with the Knicks has been so wrong for so many years. Um, everything yeah. seems to be turning there. The, we've, you've heard less about Dolan and from Dolan this season than you probably heard in the last 10 seasons. Well, it's, funny that that. it's funny about that. It's funny about that. the one incident. Well, here's the deal. Wait wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, the the Ewing thing had nothing to do with Dolan. I've told you this before. That had nothing to do with Dolan. I know that too, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was one other, but that the the Ewing thing had nothing to do with Dolan. No, uh, you're right. Dolan has kind of taken a backseat in the Knicks, and now he's trying to fuck up the Rangers because he's got nothing to do and he's bored. Anyway, um, let's move on. We can get off of this. Uh, so we got Atlanta taking on Philadelphia. Atlanta won the first game. You got game one, Clippers taking on the Jazz. Tomorrow you got the Nuggets taking on the Suns. Suns with a one-game lead. And Brooklyn has a 2 nothing lead over Milwaukee. Thursday the series is going to shift to Milwaukee. Do you have any thoughts on these series real quick? Um, uh, not particularly, I guess the most interesting to me would be if, if, uh, Antetokounmpo, you know, if he can finally, you know, get over that playoff hump and, and be the MVP caliber player he is in the regular season, in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, we all expect the Nets and, and with their, the firepower they have right now to be able to get past them. Um, as far as any other series, I mean, the, the, I, I got to be honest, the series that 
nobody's really interested in, but everybody really should because if you want to talk about basketball and like good basketball, probably the by good basketball, I mean like the closest basketball you're going to see to probably like actual basketball you really like remember you know watching years ago, probably that Suns Nugget series out west. I can see that. You know what Chris mm-hmm. Paul was able to do. You know he looked phenomenal. Uh, was it last night? I think it was. They played and uh, 14 points in the fourth quarter and. Really, I mean, what he's been able to do with that young team has been good. And then I got to be honest, I always get a kick out of watching, you know, uh, Jokic play. Because, I mean, he's just a big, goofy white guy who seems to get it done on the floor every night. And, you know, you watch him. That is your MVP, sir. That is your MVP. I'm Again, I can't badmouth it either because he he gets it done. And he's Mm -hmm. a phenomenal player. And, you know, he's a passer. He's a scorer. He plays defense. You know, he... He's a, a really solid overall player. And I mean, I got to say that, that if you ask me what series I'd probably be most interested in and probably be that series. But outside of that, I could care less, honestly, about the rest of the series. I'm kind of rooting for Atlanta to beat the Sixers, but that's just because, you know, Philly. So screw them. But uh, I, outside of that, I mean, I'm I, the, the net series. Like I said, I could give or take. I just, you know, um, Looking at that series more for Antonacupo and uh, with what's the other series out west that I'm forgetting about? Uh, Clippers and Jazz. Yeah, eh. I mean it's all right. I again, you're talking Kawhi Leonard, the biggest thing. I'm almost hoping he gets knocked out this round so that there's a better chance he wants to leave LA. Maybe try it in New York instead. He did better yeah. in the East. Yeah, we'll see. And he All may right. want to get away from Paul George, too. You know, listen, Paul George has not gotten it done in the game. No. In the playoffs, no. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll move off of this here. I want to touch on football real quick because we had the big trade that went down. Sunday, I believe it was, Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. I just want to look up the particulars. I believe they, uh, Atlanta got oh, it's a... garbage. Second rounder and a fourth rounder next year. It's garbage. And they had, to give, they, had to give up a six, they had to give up a sixth rounder in that, too. Yeah, I, I don't understand this trade. If you're telling me there wasn't another team in the league that offered more or could have offered more than a second round and a fourth rounder next year, for a, a top ten wide receiver in the in the league, like I I, I don't know. This to me is just a, a really odd story. That I don't know if maybe Atlanta knows something the rest of these teams don't know and kind of took the first offer that was out there, so they didn't have to get too deep in the process. Or if this is really one to where he wanted to go. Or I mean. I get not wanting them to trade him in the division or maybe even in conference, but I mean, you can't tell me that there wasn't any other team out in the NF or in the AFC that wouldn't have made that trade. You're telling me the Dolphins wouldn't have made that trade to upgrade for Tua. You're telling me that the 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 Eagles, who practically have nobody and they're garbage in their <laughs> with their receiving core outside of you know just drafting Smith in this draft, you, you they wouldn't go out and try and get. That would only cost him a second rounder and a fourth rounder next year. I mean, that you're not talking super high draft value. So somebody would really have to break this down for me. Why in the hell didn't anybody else offer? Or we just all, I think there's a piece of the puzzle we're missing. Here. There's got to be a big piece of this puzzle that just isn't coming to shape yet because 
Tannehill's not like a big, huge quarterback. They didn't really need him in Tennessee either because they already had A.J. Brown and they run the ball a shit ton with Derrick Henry. I don't really understand the need to bring him in. They lost Corey Davis and they're going to upgrade with Julio Jones. Cool. But I, I just don't see the need when you're telling me the Packers couldn't have put together any kind of offer to help Aaron Rodgers. If you want to talk about anything, anything at all, how do you not, if you're Aaron Rodgers, just literally give the big middle finger to everybody at Lambeau right now, being like, if you guys wouldn't have offered more than a second and a fourth next year for Julio Jones, knowing that I have nobody to, to, to really do anything with outside of Devontae Adams, like, come on. Like, what are you yeah. doing to me? Like, well, I, I don't really, somebody's got to explain this to me, and maybe you can. Yeah, break it down for me in, in terms that I could try to fathom in my brain, because right now, it makes no sense to me and my tinfoil hats going on and I'm searching real hard for a theory. Well, listen, I mean, you're going to hear all about it too. Yeah. I I have no doubt. I haven't heard. I have no doubt. When I hear it, you're going to know it. I have no doubt. Um, Well, if you remember correctly, we were talking about this for the Packers a couple weeks ago and I said, I'd give up two first round picks for him. But here's the thing, us saying it, and the GM of the Packers taking his head out of his ass is two entirely different things. So that's number one. Number two, I mean, we know it, it takes a special breed in a, in a certain prime of their careers to really get first-round value for in today's NFL where teams are hoarding their draft picks and everything like that. Julio Jones is 32 years old. Great wide receiver, yes. He is coming off of a year where he only played nine games and had some of the worst numbers of his career. He only had 771 uh, receiving yards last year, only 51 catches. Again, that's in nine games. But still, I I could see team. By the way, another stat, though, real stat, real quick, a stat I heard today, 31% of his catches last season, though, went for 20 yards or more. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. I led led the NFL in that category, by the way. Okay. I could still see teams maybe being reluctant to give up the first round pick just because like, honestly, I could have sworn Jones had been more injury prone over the last few years, but I'm looking at his numbers. Now he played 16 games in 2017, 2018 only played um, only 15 games in 2019. Last year was the first year he played in under 10 games since 2013. And I'm not, I'm not justifying it. I'm not trying to give you reasons why it didn't happen. I'm just saying I feel like that probably scared some teams off. I don't know if the Falcons were asking for an arm and a leg to begin with, and then they decided to come down a little bit, but they had already kind of spooked some teams off, and this was the best one they could get. Maybe Jones played hardball and said, listen, you guys have been twiddling your thumbs here for about three weeks. You either make this deal done or I ain't showing up. I'm leaving you hanging. I don't care about the money. So I, I I don't have a lot of justification. If Again, they would have came out and said to Jones, all right, fine, we're trading you, but we're trading you to Tannehill in Tennessee, I'm pretty sure you'd have been like, yeah, you sure that's the best offer we got? Well, I mean, when you hear I'm the just, rumor. I'm just being honest. No, 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 I don't. I don't. Be like, Is that I, really like, how do you look, I don't, be honest. If you're the ownership, I, and I get it that the fans own Green Bay, and I don't mean to talk thanks. over you, but the fans yeah. own Green Bay. Who is who is like somebody's actually going to make that decision though with the GM? And if your ownership in that office 
How can that GM look anybody in the eye that owns stake in that team and say that you're doing right by that team right now? And doing I mean, right I agree with Rodgers or doing right by anything. That, like, what is your defense for not saying, oh, well, at first they offer, <laughs> uh, they asked for two firsts and two seconds. So well, we said no, and we just told them not to call back. No, you, you still investigate. You still try to find ways to improve your team and help your team and, help, you know, help your franchise quarterback who is pretty much telling you to shove it where the sun don't shine. You know, I mean, I, I do not comprehend what is going on in the front office of Green Bay right now. And I, I, I'm baffled by it. But again, I'm baffled that, they're, that this is literally the offer that Atlanta had to settle with. There has to be something else to this decision. There has to be a tie between Arthur Smith and somebody in that Titans organization. Or the well, it's, Arthur, it's, it's Arthur Blank. If I'm no, not mistaken, Arthur Smith, I thought is the coach or somebody. Oh, I thought you were talking about the team. owner. The owner is Arthur Blank. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you were. I'm saying the coach. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right about the coach. I thought you were talking about the owner. My fault. No, no, no. I'm saying between the coaching staff, because remember years ago, and I'm going to bring this up. Can I wait, 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 wait. before, many... before you go here, before you go here, because you got a couple other things I want to throw in here real quick. First of all, about Tannehill. Yeah, I can't imagine Tannehill is the guy that Jones was talking about when you heard last week that he wanted a big arm quarterback. That's not Tannehill, in my opinion. So that's number one. And then number two, I think this is the problem with the Green Bay Packers not having a true ownership group because their team is literally owned by the public, which is cool and everything for PR. But when you don't have that one guy who's calling all the shots and can hold a guy like their GM accountable for stuff like that, I think you have a problem on your hands. But go ahead. I lost my momentum a little bit, but I, my main point was that I was just, um, yeah, I lost I lost my momentum. Um, but it just said that, that I think there's got to be some kind of tie between the front office or the coaching staff and between Atlanta and the Titans. I think that much like I called years ago with the trade of Anquan Bolden, I think there was a, for a sixth round pick, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that. I rem and the yeah. Harbaugh brothers doing a backfield shady thing at the, in the middle of the night, and I called it. I knew it. There's definitely something weird going on here because this isn't normal. This isn't, you know, a, a player of that caliber going for this cheap. There's there's something else going on here, and I'm just I'm just being honest. We don't know what it is yet. I haven't figured out that connection yet, but there's a connection there. 100%. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Do you think a trade like this looks better? Like, I, if they get two second-round picks out of this, one this year and one next year, and then you get, like, a conditional fourth-round pick or something, do you think it looks better? What do you mean? Uh, like, if this trade was for two second-round picks, one this year, one next year, and then a conditional fourth round pick next year like it can be a fifth round pick but it jumps to a fourth round pick if he plays all 16 games and the titans make like the the afc conference game or something do you think it looks no, better? i don't think i don't think it looks any better i i think really oh two seconds and a fourth no i don't think adding a second second i like i just i have a hard time believing there wasn't one team out there that was willing to offer one first round pick for him. 
There are teams out there right now that have multiple first-round picks next year. And you're telling me that it's not worth giving up one for a guy who can come in and contribute to your team this season right off the bat and be a, a potential star? I, To me, I just have a hard time swallowing that pill. So I think anything short of at least one number one, I think is a little short for, for Julio. Now people could tell me I'm crazy and obviously the NFL thought I was crazy, but there's something shady about this deal because I, I to me, it just seems like Atlanta got absolutely fleeced. I mean, Julio was a top 10 pick, if I'm not mistaken. Top, I know he was at least top 15. He, he was, he was uh, sixth, sixth overall. Yeah. Uh, sixth overall was he eight was years, ten ago, years ago or so. Yeah, is eight, eight, nine, ten years ago is now a second ten, round pick ten. when he's done nothing but have a Hall of Fame career. Uh, I, I don't know, not buying it. Mm. That's just me though. And for a guy that has such monster big playability like he does, you know, all I'm I, thinking right now after you said Hall of Fame is he's no Paul Pierce. <laughs> Uh, no, he's better. He's better. Okay. And I mean, you're telling me you look around the league, how many teams could have used No, he's a Hall of Fame. Brady wouldn't have looked at Tampa and said, hey, guys, like, uh, but they're in the division. So I understand if they, they said no to that. But, you know, I mean, like I said, there's no reason that Tua wouldn't be like, hey, listen, I could use another big wide receiver down here in Miami to, you know, especially down around the goal line. Our run game isn't the best. And, you know. We can, I can mm. always use another target. You know, they wouldn't have given up something for him. You know, like I said, Jalen Hurts, you know, guy who could use some help too. You look at uh, – you're telling me the Bears wouldn't have offered that? Like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, like the Bears I mean, got a young got – got, got an interesting QB situation too. Young, you know, Fields is probably going to be starting by the end of the year. But, I mean, you want to get him some help, you know. I, you want to yeah, do something for him. I suppose I know Schmelrose is in the chat saying he doesn't think the trade is that far out there. Um, what about Jacksonville? You're telling me Jacksonville can't offer a second round pick to get him down there to where a, to, to have a reliable target for. Uh, well, you got to you got to. I mean, I listen, here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I wonder if a guy like Urban Meyer really wants to start trading draft picks away. Because he probably feels he can scout. You didn't trade that well many or that much, though. You didn't have to give up a first. You didn't have to give up. Yeah, but that's where I'm like, I don't know. That's where I'm like, something just weird. I know I'm. I know people. You guys always call me crazy, but I'm telling you, there's something just a little off about this trade. Well, I mean, normally that's a well-deserved moniker for you, but I mean, uh, in this, I, I don't necessarily think you're crazy. I just don't think. Um, I don't know. I. I don't think there's much of a difference between a trade that would have justified what Julio Jones is and this trade. Like, I don't really, I get that they probably could have gotten more, but I wonder if they negotiated themselves out of more with the teams who were involved early on. And I, I here's, here's the thing. If Atlanta felt like they had to get two draft picks for him, and you let's say you had teams early on who were offering first-round draft picks, were they offering anything else but the first-round draft pick? And did Atlanta look at that and go, no, we need to get at least two picks here for him? 
You know, again, I, I don't know the nuances. That. That's why I'm interested, because, you know, as the story unfolds, as things go on. Sure. sure. Uh, you're going to read something. You're going to hear something, see something. And I, I'm waiting for that because there's some little quip, little story here that's going to explain or put the put all the you know puzzle pieces together. There's something something going on. We'll find mm. out. Figure all out. right. Let's move on here. Schmelrose is in the chat. If he wants to come on, we'll talk a little hockey here. Let me ask you something while Schmelrose decides if he wants to come on here, because obviously we've been talking about the Islanders uh, with Schmelrose. He picked them to go to the uh, Stanley Cup. Have you been following what's been going on on the Barstool live streams with um, Frankie Borelli? who's like the right-hand man of Dave Portnoy. He, he's the guy who's holding the camera during all the pizza reviews. They do these live streams, and it's like all these Boston fans. It's like um, Feidelberg and um, Ryan Whitney, the former NHL player who uh, does spit and chiclets for them, and it's all these different Boston fans. And Frankie Borelli in his Islanders gear right in the middle of it. And he's been getting amped up during these games because like they'll go to like a Boston bar and it'll be all these Boston bands and then Frankie's the only Islander fan. And some of this stuff is hysterical to watch. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this at all. I have not. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Schmelrose, come on on. Come on on. Uh, because we go into tomorrow night, I think, is game six, and the Islanders are up three to two. And it looks like they have stuck with Varlamov and goal. Um, so while Schmelrose comes on, Schmelrose, come on. Um, Eric, have you been watching this series at all? Yeah, a little here, a little there. I mean, I did watch the overtime game uh, the other night that we were all kind of group texting about. And then that same night, I ended up catching the end of the OT game of, of the Lightning and uh, the Hurricanes as well. So I've been trying to keep up with that series. Um, my dad is down in Florida, down close to Tampa. So he's been keeping up a little more with the Lightning. So I've been trying to follow him a little more up here um, as well. So, yeah, no, just uh, those are the two main series I've kind of been following a little bit, but uh, I'm sure Smoros can uh, clue us in on any others we might be missing. I'm sure he's, as he pointed out, uh, the Canadians now were the last team into the pretty much dance here um, playing Toronto um, late, got a late start, and now they're the first team in uh, the conference finals. So um, they've definitely picked up the pace. They're playing well. I'm interested to see if he thinks that they can uh, – they can make a run because they seem to be playing good hockey. And from the one stat he showed the other night or uh, that he sent us all the other night, they haven't trailed very much either since um, late against the Leafs in, in the first round. So um, yeah, I'm wondering to, if the Canadians are actually going to make a real push here. Um, yeah. Interested to hear what he has to say. Yeah, I don't know if he's coming on here. He said he was happy to come on, but I've tried to unmute him twice now, and he's not responding. So I don't really know what's uh, going on here. Had a little, uh, oh, little the baby, yeah, sure. Yeah, so oh, I mean, it I'm might sorry. have been another emergency. Uh, there he is. I didn't realize that I was muted. I usually just do it on my microphone. I, you know, whatever. My fault. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had to hit a button. How are you guys? All right, Larry Schmelrose, how you doing? I'm good, hanging in, hanging out. I'm deathly afraid to pick against the Canadiens because I've been doing it uh, for the first two rounds. And uh, they definitely made me eat my words in this last series with the sweep. But uh, I do think the Winnipeg Jets got royally screwed uh, with the suspension of Shifley. 
Uh, I think that was a garbage suspension. I think it was for optics uh, because it was the playoffs and it was national attention. And I think it was one of the most horseshit suspensions I've ever seen in my life. Well, what, what did he maybe not do? Because right? well, I'm unfamiliar with this. So tell me, tell me what happened. So he was back checking from uh, his offensive zone. You have their, their goalie, Winnipeg's goalie was pulled. This was game one of the series. Mm. Uh, Winnipeg's goalie was pulled. It's the end. Uh, Winnipeg's only down by one goal. He's back checking hard. Uh, the Montreal skater comes around the net uh, haphazardly, um, head down, not protecting himself, and he goes to wrap the puck real lazy-like into an empty net, which is fine if nobody's around and it's not a one-goal game. And the playoffs, but it's the playoffs, and it's a one-goal game, and guys are going to work their asses off to keep that puck out of the net. And this guy did everything right. He skated back. He's not a malicious player. He skated back very hard. He stopped skating at the top of the circles. They met at the post. His plan was to hit him before he got the puck off the stick into the net. It didn't happen that way, so the optics looked horrible, but it was a clean hit. The guy did everything he was supposed to do, and all he was trying to do was stay in the game in the playoffs and he got four games because somebody got hurt, hmm. but it wasn't malicious. There was no intent, nothing. And he's one of their better players. Like you said the optics. one of the better locker room guys. It doesn't matter. You play hard down one goal. I don't care what the optics are. That's what kills me. Optics mean nothing. Oh yeah, but that's the business of it. We all agree with you. I'm sure I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Mike. Oh, I'm sure I know, I know. We a hundred percent agree with you. This is the but, shitty ass part of the business though where they're more worried about the advertising dollars, the all the other crap out there than they are about necessarily doing the right thing about the play on the ice. Inconsistency is what's, what's, what's really making – like this is why the Rangers got angry about what happened with Tom Wilson because there's inconsistency in the way they dish out these suspensions. Tom Wilson, you know, you guys know, I said maybe more of a fine. I didn't think it should be a suspension. It was a net front skirmish. These things happen, but it was way more malicious and way more dangerous. Maybe not more dangerous, but it was way more malicious with intent in the beginning of that skirmish than what Shifley did. All he did was back check. And again, he has no history. He's not that type of player. He was just trying to make a play for his team. And because the timing was a half a second, he was a half a second off. It looked really bad. Um, that's that. I don't know if you guys remember that picture I sent in chat of the Winnipeg player holding off the skirmish off the guy from Montreal who was out yeah. cold on the ice. Yeah, that's yeah. where that all started. Uh. It was a back check. Guy was just trying to keep an empty net goal. And as a player, okay, when you're from peewees, from squirts, from mites, you're taught to keep your head up and protect yourself. When did we take that out of the game? When did protecting yourself not become part of the game? That's what I want to know because that's what you're supposed to do. That wasn't the play to make a lazy wraparound right there. You got to know a guy's coming back at you. He could have taken that puck into the corner. He could have found somebody to pass to. He chose to do a lazy wraparound and not protect himself and have his head down. He's got his head down. Players are taught to protect themselves. He didn't protect himself. That's a bullshit suspension. I'm really not happy about it. I don't know if you guys can tell. I could tell. Yeah, I, I want to equate it almost to like to to something that's going on in the NFL, and it's kind of the uh, you know the wussifying of sports in a, in a way. Because I mean, I think we can all agree the NFL used you know still hits hard. Don't get me wrong, but used to hit a lot harder. And I mean, there used to be a fear for receivers coming over the middle. Eric, and the Eric, certain 
I'm yeah. sorry. I was just going to say the proper term is the pussification. It's a George. Yeah, was, I was trying to I was trying to keep it more PC. I guess I shouldn't be so PC friendly anyway, especially with words anyway, that George Carlin created. Yes. But any, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, he, I, I don't know. I, I kind of so, tried to thought again. I'm well, sorry. I'm sorry. I see what you're saying, too, because I thought about that as well when I thought about that earlier, like the wide receivers well, over the middle. But there's yeah, also, because you, they used to be able to. It used to be a certain type of receiver. You almost needed like a Heinz Ward or somebody who was tough, or who knew how to go over the middle, protect themselves going over the middle, so that they can catch that ball, take that hit, and go to the ground. Now in the NFL, you don't have that. You have a bunch of guys who just have no fear of running across the middle because they know if that big hit comes, there's either a fine uh, suspension or a, a, a 100% chance of penalty with you getting an extra 15 yards on it. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's it, 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 it took the, that type of hitting that's, you know, you can't scare a guy coming over the middle anymore. And I wonder if that same thing's happening in hockey. Sorry to kind of cut you there, but that's kind of no, where I was going with my train of thought. It's funny because I had that same type of thought. And my only thing is with the wide receivers is um, they have a little less control, um, you know, just because if a guy sails a ball on them, you know, it's up to them to make that decision whether they want to go up for it or not. And back in the day, they used to have to make that decision when the quarterback didn't make a good throw. And now they don't. But the thing is, if they don't, you know, then they're looked badly upon. They won't have a job. But if they do, they could really get seriously injured. So I think just the only thing, it's hard to like adjust that rule without gray. You know, you can't have gray area in that rule. I think that's where the NFL kind of fell into, where if they were going to do it, they had to do it all the way. And the only thing it does for them is it does kind of open up the passing game over the middle just a little bit. But um, I don't know. But this. But again, with the NHL, the they're going to have to do it all the way, too. Eventually, because right. you can't right. keep doing the wishy-washy stuff. Right. It can't. It has to be consistent. And uh, you're right. And that, that's the problem, though, is like when you first time you put on skates and you play, con even before you play contact hockey, they teach you to skate with your head up. One, so you can see what's going on around you and diagnose the plays. You got to have your head up so you know what to do. Right. Also, it helps with your technique and everything like that. Two. Because so you don't get killed because guys are flying around at 20, 25 miles an hour on skates trying to hit you. So, you know, if a guy's not going to keep his head up and he's going to make a lazy play just to grab an empty net goal and go up by two, this is the playoffs. I mean, I, I'd love for you guys to watch the play one time on YouTube or something and see where he let up, stop skating, the tops of the circles. It's just, you know, I mean, if he takes another stride, maybe he gets there on time. But then it's a, it could be a charging penalty. I just think he did what everything he needed to do to make that play as safely as possible. There's no playing the puck in that situation, uh, like some has suggested. That's a body play, and that's your your intention from the start is to come play a guy's body and keep the puck out of the net. And that's where you know I think the NHL. I just don't understand it. I just don't get it. Because they're slowly on. trying to police it out of the game, but they're not taking it out of every instance. And that's where that right. consistency comes in is the because they're trying to enforce it in the big spots and the national TV moments and the playoffs, but they're not trying to enforce it in just a regular season game when, you know, nothing's really on the line and it's, you know, only televised in their local market. When nobody cares about it, they don't care as much about it. It's when the eyes are on it that they're going to make that 
And that's where they're going to have to learn to just be more consistent and make the calls across the board every game. Um, it just sucks because it is going to take those plays, like you're pointing out, that used to be good, clean, hard plays at the net are now going to be at, at pretty much outlawed from the game. And it's gonna, it is going to hurt your way of watching hockey a little bit, unfortunately. And it kind of sucks to think about it. But it is a way that the, the sport is probably going to evolve. Listen, I mean, I love every aspect of the game. So uh, just so you guys know, it's like a precursor almost like when I watch the NHL, I watch it on mute so that I can make my own perspectives. I don't really read a lot of articles. I look at numbers and stats sometimes, you know, I have trouble remembering them, but um, I don't read a lot of articles written by other people. I don't feel I need to. Um, I watch the games on mute so I don't have to hear the announcer's perspectives. The only guy I ever really liked was Doc Emmerich anyway. Um, so like everything I'm seeing is, is just my eye test. Like, it's not what I'm hearing from others. This is just what I think from what I see. Um, so I just want you guys to know that, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not listening to what other people have to say. I did see, like I said, somebody said that he could have played the puck on that play against Montreal. I mean, all the credits, I don't want to take anything away from the Montreal Canadians. That's number one. You know, that what they're doing right now is, is unheard of. I mean, they found their power play. They found their goal scoring. And Carey Price decided, you know, this is the year. I'm going to play my head off in the playoffs, which he's done before. Um, I don't know if having Perry there is, is helping them because it's just another motivation. I don't know if you guys remember, he was one of the guys on Dallas last year that helped carry that unexpected team uh, to a finals berth. Um, so, I mean, I give Montreal a lot of credit. I just think the puck's going to stop in the next round, but I've been saying that for the first two rounds. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really throw anything else in on that. I get you on that. Um, Islanders, Bruins. So you were right about the idea that they were going to stick with the veteran in Varlamov, and he's been very good the last couple games, and they now got the 3-2 lead. Do you see this series wrapping up in game six, or do you think it's coming back um, to New York? Uh, I, For some reason, this series being as good as it's been, um, I can't. I can't see it happening in six. I think this one's going to be decided in seven. I think these two teams are very close. I think Boston's going to come out with a sense of urgency, uh, even more so than they showed. Um, I was not surprised. I believe Boston caught the early lead. And I'm going to have to look at it because I'm pretty sure the Islanders have been down in almost every game uh, to start this year. They've also been outshot, almost doubled, uh, so especially last game. But in every game, and to all those people who are calling Islander hockey boring right now, they just dropped five last night. Like, how is it boring? They just put five pucks in the net. So, yeah, they catch a lead. Those people are probably either devils or rangers. Right. But, like, they're, they're playing great <laughs> hockey. I just want you guys to know that this was the time of year last year where I, I got on this team for this year. This is generally the time of year when I'm able to see who I think is going to make that run next season. And for this season, not to get off this series, I'll come back to it, but for this season, the team I'm looking at for next season's Stanley Cup champions, I'm going to tell you right now, write it down, record it, whatever you got to do, is the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I'm not going to commit to that yet. I'm going to wait till we do preseason picks. But right now I'm on the Colorado Avalanche for next season. But back to my Islanders that I'm on for this season. Uh, and don't forget the stars from last season. Um, so we got the Islanders. I think they're going to win in seven here. Uh, I think if they lose game six, they stick with the veteran Varlamov. I think that's been set in stone now. 
um, you ride it out now, right? You don't bounce back now. You, you, you got through one of the more interesting goaltender situations that I've seen in the NHL playoffs in my lifetime. Um, you've made it past that. You've got your number one. He's winning you hockey games. He just let out a sigh of relief. I believe somebody must have said, dude, you win this game. That's it. You're our goalie for the rest of the playoffs. Because I know he faced a lot of shots, but that was like an extra moment to himself. Like, okay, here we go. Which that's putting a lot of extra pressure on your goalie. So, I mean, more power to that guy for, for pushing through and uh, dealing with all that extra pressure especially being in the playoffs. And I, I think that has something to do with maybe Boston making a push back yesterday. And thankfully for him, they held on. And uh, I don't know. I think he's going to be flying pretty high from here on out, pretty confident in himself. And they're going to be a tough team to score on. And uh, Well, they, let me ask you, because you just said that like you don't – let me ask yeah, you, because you just said you don't necessarily see them winning it in six – so you see, coming back to the, the back to New York for Game Seven, um, if they lose this Game Six, you don't think there's any chance that they go back to Sorokin? Unless they, I think if they lose, I think they lose this Game Six. I think they lose it two to one, three to two. All right, they're they're not people call it boring hockey because they're not known for their scoring. So I believe that may run dry next game. Uh, and then they're going to come out fired up. This is just in my head. This is what I'm thinking, how it's going to play out. I think we're looking at a 2-1-3-2 game six Boston win. And then the Islanders are going to come back and we're going to see something similar to what we saw last night um, where they jump out, they go down, maybe a goal, they jump out, they get a couple goal lead, and then they hang on tight till the end of game seven. Um, I just think they have the goaltending, the defense uh, to do it. Um, and again, I've said it many times, I think Palmieri and Zajac at the deadline are were way underrated moves that not enough people are talking about. And uh, because everybody's talking about Taylor Hall going to Boston. And I think it's going to pan out really well for these Islanders. I think they got stronger from it, like I've been saying. And it's it's showing. You know, you got a 60% face-off guy in Travis Zajac. That's hard to find. Uh, so you got to win face-offs in the playoffs. Net front present, that's, that does it for you right there. So I think they're, uh, they win game seven and they move on to the next round. Fair enough. All right. Any other playoff notes for you there, Shamel Rose? Uh, well, you got Tampa, I believe, is going to handle Carolina tonight and end that series. So you'll have the winner of the Islanders, Boston series, who I think is going to be the Islanders, uh, playing against the winner of the Tampa Carolina series. As you know, you have Montreal has advanced, and uh, we have Colorado and Vegas tied up. I believe I'd have to double check. The last I remember, they were 2 2. Um, and I do think Vegas comes out with that series. Like I said, I think next year's Colorado's year. I think this is another big learning experience for some of their young guys. And I think we see Vegas beat Montreal, and Vegas makes it to the finals. Eric called that pre playoffs. And I'm going to roll with my Islanders. And if I remember correctly, Eric was pretty heavy on Tampa last year, but going into the NHL playoffs. So he likes to ride those, those big favorites on me. And I was on Dallas. So last year, Eric and I had a Stanley Cup Finals matchup. And we have a chance at it again this year. Although a lot of people would tell you it's going to be Tampa 
and Vegas mm. at this point. But then again, Colorado's explosive, so they can knock Vegas off and be on to play Montreal before you know it. Fair enough. All right, man. I, uh, I, I guess I'll do it for us on hockey here. You got any final thoughts, man? Uh, no, I just did want to say, um, you know, Eric's going to hate this next statement, um, but Julio Jones to Tennessee for a second and a fourth round pick makes Dave Gettleman look pretty fucking smart for the Odell Beckham trade. That's all I'm going to leave it at. No, not at all. Uh, he got Gettleman he got it look, first. Gettleman doesn't look Gettleman doesn't look smart for anything. The, go the to Falcons track. got fleeced. Go to and, and Belkin was at Beckham was also in his twenties where Julio's in his thirties. Go to sporttrack.com and look at the wide receiver trains over the last ten years. Uh Gettleman did pretty good with that Beckham trade for what he got in return. But Gettleman still sucks. I know you hate him, but I had to say it. I wanted to fire up right before I went. Right? I mean, listen, it's just – I just don't understand that trade. Somebody – like, listen, I think it makes uh, a dangerous Tennessee team all more dangerous, if that's possible. But it's uh, – I don't know. It's just a weird combination. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, always enjoy some some hockey talk and just other general football and sports talk whenever we get a chance to smell those. Mm-hmm. Thank you as always. Thanks, sir. guys. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thank, Thank you, Larry Schmelrose. I appreciate you. Uh, and uh, I'll talk soon. Sorry if I bored you. Bye. Yeah, no, no problem. Good. Have a good one, man. All right. So that'll do it for us on hockey. We'll move to baseball. Before we get to our standard Yankees and Mets updates here, um, I, I want to bring something up. Because I was driving home. Thankfully, it's only a 15-minute drive for me for work now. It's very nice. I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I haven't had to fill up on a tank of gas since Saturday. It's fucking fantastic. Anyway, um, so I'm driving home, and I'm listening to Carton and Roberts. And we had talked a number of weeks ago about the idea of baseball cracking down on pitchers using foreign substances on the ball. We had the whole discussion about what is perceived as more natural forms of cheating and unnatural forms of cheating here and what is more accepted and what is not accepted. Over the last couple of weeks, we've started to hear um, about baseball instructing the umpires to crack down on pitchers using the, the foreign substances and the sticky tack or the spider tack or whatever the hell you call it on mm-hmm. the baseball. The idea, I, I'm sure the first justification for it was, you know, you Pitchers can hold the grip on the ball in somewhat inclement weathers, but it definitely seems like it's getting a little out of hand with pitchers using it to increase their no, spin rate. We, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, stop, hang on. We've well, seen it kind of, we don't have to get well, but, but hang on, let me finish what I'm saying here, and then I'm going to go to you. That's how this works. Anyway, um, the, the spin rates we've seen astronomical astronomical number of strikeouts this year runs are down across baseball and everything we know they changed the ball and everything but it kind of has come around where we're seeing this crackdown over the last couple weeks and you can definitely say what you were going to say how do you think if this affects someone who's been connected to this as much as garrett cole has and garrett cole had a press conference earlier today where he made himself look so goddamn guilty. He could have said what he would have said 
in a way that did not make him look like the kid who got caught with his hand in a candy jar. The reporter asked him, have you used spider tack? And it took him 13 seconds to really process what had been asked of them. And he goes, I don't really know how to respond to that question. So he made himself look horrible there, Eric. I'm just going to say that. I don't again, necessarily I'm think... I'm not blaming he's... this on a Yankee thing. I'm not blaming this on a Cole thing. I'm it's not, not a Yankee thing. No, I, no, 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 no. I, it's fine. not a Yankee thing. Right now, that's fine. You know, you could point out the... the you know, I just said this is not a Yankee thing. He just happens <laughs> to be the biggest name. The yeah, he just well, he had a horrible press conference. I don't know. Have you have you heard the clip? Have you heard the clip? He's arguing it. Again, I, I much prefer him not come out and just fucking flat out lie and say, no, I never heard of this stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. Much prefer fucking the reason. I, I would have preferred care. that over what he did. <clears throat> no. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. The, the, the whole fucking reason for this shit is because nobody's hitting for average. So MLB has to crack down because they have to get... What happened is, is there was too many home runs being jacked, so they needed to deaden the ball. In order to deaden the ball, they had to raise the light, the raise the laces. When they raised the laces, it now brought back the spin rate that the and the spin that the pitchers lost when they lowered the laces. But what happened is, is the pitchers, because they got so used to the lowered laces over the last few seasons, in order to grip that ball or really get any of the spin they need to get on it for some of their breaking balls and other pitches, everything was coming in flat. That's why everything was getting jacked out of the damn park. So he, they needed to do something different. They had this spider tack seem to work for some pitchers. There's a ton of other substances out there as well. Some, you know, I'm sure some old school pitchers are still using pine tar and whatever. I'm sure there are some that are using that, that combination of sunscreen plus set the, the dirt and whatever else. Like there's a million different combinations out there ways to cheat with this crap, not just the spider tack shit. But all the pitchers in baseball had to adapt some form of it because they had to do something because everything was getting jacked out of the park and their ERAs were through the roof. So they all did something to correct that problem. What happened is, is now baseball's corrected the home run problem, but they still have an average problem because what happened was they were fine with everybody when everybody was hitting 45 home runs batting 200 because everybody was hitting 45 home runs. And there were still runs being scored in baseball. When they deaden the ball this year, home runs are not being jacked out at the same rate. Runs are way down. And everybody knows runs are what drives baseball. It's what drives the sports, what drives everything scoring. That's why they make rules in the NFL and the NHL and all these other sports to go towards scoring because that's what matters. So they're finding a way and they're trying to fine tune the ball and the hitters because they have to almost retrain the hitters to become contact hitters again, because for years and years now, and it's ingrained in them almost in a little league state now, that you're taught launch angle and you're taught all these other things instead of being caught, taught contact like it used to be taught. And it's going to be years until real contact hitters are brought back in. But right now, there's less than 30 hitters in all of Major League Baseball who are batting 300 total, total. That and that's, right. that's, the, that's the problem. And that's the root and real problem everybody has here that they're trying to connect, correct. So they've now corrected the home run problem. They're trying to correct this pitching problem because now they're like, well, listen, we're giving you the balls back to the way they should be. So with the laces raised, you guys can't use as much sticky tack and shit, because if you do, now you're putting extra spin and everything else. Your ERAs are lower than they should be. And these guys aren't hitting the ball the way they should be. And they can't hit for contact because you're striking everybody out because everybody's worried about launch angle. So we need you guys to cut it back on the sticky tack. We need some averages to go back up a little bit. 
Yeah, your ERAs might raise half a point or so each too, but we're going to take that in stride as well because we need more runs being scored here. That's exactly what's happening. That's what's happening. And they have teams of people in the MLB front office that are looking at spin rate, looking at this, looking at that, figuring out what else they can do to fine tune this because it is a baseball problem right now that nobody, and I mean almost nobody, is hitting for average. And that is a monster problem for all of baseball that they are trying to correct. And this is the way they are trying to correct it. Slowly but surely, one thing at a time. So they did a little bit with the ball to deaden it this year. So as many home runs weren't being hit, but now they need to find a way to raise that average back up because it's unheard of to have less than 30 guys across all of Major League Baseball batting less than 300. That's a pathetic day in baseball, in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And uh, 300's the new 400. I heard that the other day. Like, you got to be kidding. I don't think you're that far off, truthfully. Um, but I mean, but that's I really mean, the problem. It's a fair point to make, and it all comes back to two things based on what you said. Analytics are killing baseball. That's number one. And number two, baseball basically has themselves to thank for this by the fact that they fucked with the balls in the first place a couple years ago, and pitchers got used to doing what they had to do to get by, and now baseball decides, oh, no, we're going to go back to it, but now you got pitchers used to what they were doing, and they realize, well, hey, you guys kind of, you know, teetered everything towards the hitter with what you did in the first place. So now we're going to take advantage of this for a little while and we're going to do this. And now baseball's like, no, no, you can't do that. So I give you the idea that, you know, baseball probably caused this whole thing because, you know, yeah, and they're trying to correct it, but it's going to be a lot of small corrections. You're going to see that are going to be like, wow, why are they doing this? Or, oh, this seems different or like, you know, Oh, now they're policing this out of the game. Why? This was never a problem before. And it's like, well, and again, we've talked about those unwritten rules. We've talked about all that stuff in the past. And I mean, like, sure. it's, it's, it's an unwritten rule of baseball, like kind of that sticky tack stuff. And like, you know, what the pitchers do and, you know, that's mm. just something that now they're like, listen, we can't have it anymore. We, we need to find a way that it works for everybody where it's almost fair across the board because we need runs scored. Yeah, you guys want strikeouts and everything else. You got to find a way to get them too. But we need averages back up because that honestly is what's killing baseball. There's nobody. There's nobody that's hitting in baseball really, and it's no. sad. It is yeah. sad. I mean, there, I mean, there used to be three, four, five guys on the Yankee lineup. There were three hundred hitters. That I mean, you would. You, you, uh, I, I, this is a. I mean, pathetic day in my opinion for baseball. Yeah, when you look at the averages across the, across the board. Yeah, I will say this. I wasn't trying to make it about Garrett Cole solely because he's obviously not the only one who's probably caught up in this. He has the opportunity to silence all doubters with a great start. When does he pitch next? Thursday? I think Wednesday yeah. or Thursday pitches, right? All right. Here's the opportunity. He has the opportunity to silence all doubters. I think the problem, though, is if he has a couple starts in a row, because he got he got kind of shelled the last outing against the Rays. If he has a couple bad starts in a row, be I know I know you're not going to worry about it, and I know I'm sure most Yankee fans won't worry about it, but, you know, the media is going to wind up making him be the face of this whole thing. That's my opinion. I'm sure I, I get what you're saying, that he'll be fine with it. If he has a couple more bad starts in a row, they're going to wind up putting him right in the crosshairs of this whole thing. 
Yeah, I just don't anticipate him having a couple bad starts in a row. I think, I mean, you, know, you know, listen, everybody should step go to one here, one there, you know, especially throughout the course of the year, maybe even two in a row. But he's not the kind of pitcher that's going to lose, you know, three, four, five starts straight and have a 70 RA. That's just not the kind of pitcher he is. So I, I don't fear that. So we'll see what happens. But overall, it's just uh, an overall baseball problem that they got to find a way to get corrected and corrected fast because it's uh, it's bad right now. Yeah, it definitely is. And with that, we'll move on to our normal Mets-Yankees summaries here. And we'll start with your Yankees. Not a good week for you guys. I think you guys are losers of four straight. Um, you did win two of three against the Rays. Or excuse me, you swept the series against the Rays. My fault on that. Got swept by the Red Sox. And now you're taking on the Twins for three. You're only two games above 500, and I think there's only four teams in baseball who have scored less runs than you guys. And I can't really talk because we're one of them. But um, go ahead, say what you want to say. No, listen, it's the pitching, honestly. Then if you if you would have said to any Yankee fan, and so this goes to cousin David as well, who before the season was like, oh, I knew this team wasn't going to be any good, blah blah. All the question marks about this team coming into the season were about their pitching staff. There's anybody we out there worried about, about their hitting. Yeah, everybody worried about the pitching staff, the pitching staff, the pitching staff. The pitching staff is the reason they're two games over 500 right now. The pitching staff is the reason that they're not 10 games under 500. Their pitching staff has been great all year. They've been really good. They have been way better than expected and are the only reason this team is above 500. Nobody saw this team as a, as a awful hitting team who would be – you know, near the bottom of the league and run scored. There's nobody out there that would have predicted that. You just said that at the beginning of the year. Everybody would have called you crazy. Cousin David didn't even say that. Every single person out there was worried about this pitching stuff. It is I not a pitching funny. problem. It is not a pitching problem. It is a hitting problem. A mm. hitting problem. They can get corrected. They can make moves. They can do other things. They can figure it out eventually. But the lineup needs to change, and they need an actual manager who's going to put in a lineup not just read whatever's printed out from Cashman's desk. I can't like, and until that happens, nothing's going to change. Unfortunately, it's just not going to change. Mm. So we are what we are for now. I think we're going to be a playoff team. I still think it's a 90 win team. I still think it's uh, a team that's going to figure it out overall. But for right now, this pitching staff has been amazing. If they can keep up even half of what they've been able to do now, and this team starts to hit, they're going to be dangerous. So I'm not going to count them out. I never count them out. I don't think this is their year overall. But, again, we'll, we'll wait and see on, on everything because depending on where they're at come July 31st, maybe they're buyers, maybe they're sellers like they were a few years ago. Um, it happens. It could go either way still. Um, really depends on how, you know, pretty much everything goes up and through the, you know, that, that July 31st mark. So, um, I expect this team to go on a run again at some point. I just think that baseball is a game of streaks and you, you get hot at certain times. You're not at certain times. And mm-hmm. right now the Yankees are on it. They started the season cold and they got really hot. I think they won like 20 out of 27 games, the next 27 games. And then they went cold again. And maybe this team is going to be like that and just have streaky runs all year. And, you know. Maybe that's what will kill them come playoff time. Maybe it'll be ice cold. Maybe it'll be what carries them through and they'll get red hot. Who knows? But uh, I'm definitely not throwing in the towel on them. I just think that there is a lot to correct. But unfortunately, nothing really is going to get corrected 
because they don't have any leadership on the team and you're not going to get leadership because they don't have any, they don't have any players exemplifying it right now. Judge isn't that tough guy in the locker room, getting in people's faces and, you know, holding people accountable. The, the Yankees right now have nobody holding their players accountable. There's nobody in the locker room holding them accountable and there's nobody in the coaching staff holding them accountable. And until somebody comes in and starts making everybody accountable for their actions, it's not going to change. It's going to be everyday business as usual. Come in, whatever we do. Great. See you tomorrow. Um, you know, and until somebody starts holding everybody accountable, that that's not going to change. And I really don't think any of that starts to change until they bring in a new coach, but I don't think any coaching change will really matter if you're just going to bring in another yes man behind Cashman, because that's what Cashman wants. That's honestly yeah. the reason Girardi's gone is because he stood up to Cashman and didn't want to do things, played judge 152 games and, and did things a different way than Cashman wanted them done. So Girardi was gone. So I really think that really nothing's going to get done until Cashman's gone, because then you can actually focus on getting a coach in here who could start changing maybe some of the culture and having some of that accountability back and stop babying every one of these young players. Well, with you on that, um, what I was going to ask you. So we've seen Aaron Boone get thrown out of games before. We've seen him lose his temper on the umpires. We've seen him blow up at the umpires. We've seen him defend his players before. Sunday night, obviously, there was the whole fiasco with Ruggie or Ordor having the, the called strike three that was about three, four inches outside the strike zone. And every five and a half. huh five and a half excuse five me and I, apologize. Half. I apologize I uh, apologize and just about every Yankee coach on the bench gets thrown out of the game except Aaron Boone I don't know why it, I, we've seen him get thrown out of games before I don't understand why he decided to hold back for this particular game but of course all the Yankee fans were calling for his head after that and I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. I've been calling for his head all year. Well, I mean, sure, honestly, but we've talked about it. And yes, cousin David could point out that, you know, I wanted him over Beltran, but at the same point, I didn't really want either. Of them. I didn't really want either. of them. I just thought yeah. Boone was the lesser of two evils there. So, you know, I, I don't want Boone, but again, I don't think it, it matters who the hell you bring in afterwards. If it's not somebody who's going to be able to actually manage on the field. Well, I, I want your reaction to be a talking piece for for Cashman, yeah. then it doesn't do anything for anybody. And we're still going to be in the same exact position two years from now. Well, I want your reaction on this particular game. You saw that. And did it make you call for his head more? Or were you just like, all right, this is Not what more. I expect it's from just Boone. The same. I'm just like, this is garbage. Like, why are you just sitting here? Like, I I don't know. Again, to me. He's also not the guy who he, he could come out and defend his players and whatever, but on the same respect, he's not the coach that's going to go in that locker room and challenge his players either. Yeah, he's the fair. guy that's going to walk in the locker room and after a shitty game where they get swept by the Red Sox at home, rather than going in and getting pissed off and throwing some chairs around and getting people fired up, he's just walking to his office, sitting down. Eh, you know, what are we going to do tomorrow? Okay. All right. Like there's no energy coming from him. There's nothing coming. There's nothing, nothing coming from him. And that's mm. what bothers me. Like, and that's what, that's why I, that call for his head more, but it's just more, 
not assurance, but more just kind of peace of mind that it's the right decision to make. Because I think he's almost relegated to the point of like, listen, uh, I know I'm done here. Like, this is my last hurrah. So whatever happens, happens. Like, I think he just knows he's defeated. Because he knows he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. Because if he goes against Cashman, starts putting in other lineups or doing whatever, he's going to piss off Cashman. And Cashman's always said, because they've uh, he's been flat out asked before, like, hey, listen, does a manager have the opinion or the ability to actually manage and put in a lineup card, uh, you know, or does it have to come from the analytics squad? And he said the manager can do it, but they better be right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's like yeah. you're kind of like almost threat, like, oh, you're gonna go against me, then you you better you better know what you're doing because one wrong move and I'm cutting you. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost threatening in a way. So I mean, who's gonna want to come in and manage under that? It's it's hard. So that's where right. I just don't think any real change happens until Cashman is gone. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I was talking to my dad earlier, and he's like, man, where were the days of Thurman Munson? And, man, where were, you know, uh, Billy Martin being there tearing people's heads off and, you know, blah, blah. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to tell him, Dad, listen, those days are long gone. He's like, why isn't Judge in there doing that? And why isn't, why didn't Jeter on the last day, you know, pull him in and be like, you're the guy now. You got to do this stuff and blah, blah. Like, Dad, he might have, but maybe Judge just didn't step up and do it. Maybe that's just not his character, his guy. Maybe that's just not him. You know, maybe I don't think that team has this right now. I don't think they have that locker room guy where a couple of years ago, like back, I'm thinking like, oh, nine when the Yankees won that World Series, they had a guy like Nick Swisher, who's like that locker room guy, who was that guy that was kind of like the, you know, I, I feel like they lost that kind of a little bit with Didi when they lost Didi. Like Didi kind of held this team together in a lot of ways, you know, and did a lot of good things for this team. And I kind of agree with A-Rod. And A-Rod made that point that this team would probably be a lot better and a lot different if it had a guy like Didi Gregorius on it right now. You Cousin know? David, so, I mean, I, I'm sorry, Eric. I was just going to say Cousin David is bringing up Paul O'Neill, saying they don't have a player like Paul O'Neill on this team. We don't have a lot of guys. We got a lot of pussified babies. There you go. There you that's go. what we have. Mm-hmm. And until that changes... We're we're doomed. Unfortunately, we need somebody in here who's going to do things a different way. You know, every now and then you need that change. You can't always have the disciplinarian. You can't always have the coach friendly guy. You got to kind of find that balance. Sometimes you got to bring in one or the other. But you know, eventually one or they always run their course. Right now, it seems like whatever Cashman's done has run its course. We need a yeah. course correction, quick, fast, yeah. and in a hurry. And until yeah. we get it, this is the boat we're in. But I still don't think it's a terrible boat. I still think it's one that floats. And I still think it's one that gets down the river faster than most. So I still think we're a 91 team, probably playoff team. We're only two and a half games out of a wild card spot right now. We are two games over 500. This is a winnable series here with the Twins. Um, I think if they could start to turn it around against the Twins and the Phillies this weekend, maybe, you know, you, you start to think a little differently again. And I think that's what Cashman Oh, no. and, and Boone are hoping for is listen, let's get back to some winning ways so everybody forgets about this shit for a while and you know they can make it through the, the season. But I think if it all turns south and they're under 500 by the deadline, Boone could be fired by the deadline. So it could all go one way or the other, but time will tell. And you know, these series coming up, this is this is an important month. I mean, we talked about it earlier, and I still don't think they're going to lose every series but one in this month, but 
I I think they you know this month is going to determine um you know is this team going to be a 500 uh, over 500 team playoff team or is this team going to be you know sellers at the deadline with maybe a, a coaching change so who knows but that that's where I think about the Yanks right now well to kind of sum this up here I don't think Boone gets fired by Cashman as long as Cashman's in charge. I just don't see that happening. I think Cashman came out either last year or the year before it said something like Boone will be my uh, manager as long as I'm here or something like that. So I can't see him firing him. And if he does, Eric, I think you're right. Well, it's the difference if you're just going to put another Cashman. Yes, man, because I don't see Cashman changing the formula now. Cousin David is asking in the chat, is Cashman in trouble if the Yankees don't make the playoffs? And I don't see how Cashman he wouldn't be fired. I, no, no, Cashman would be fired if he doesn't make the playoffs. I think Cashman could be fired if they don't make it out of the first round. If it, yeah, they're I mean, not back in the, 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 the words in out the of my AL mouth. championships, if they're not back in the AL championship game, in my opinion, there's no reason of keeping Cashman or Boone. But that's the, that's the bar. That's that that's the level of delineation I need to see. You need to at least get to the ALC championship. You know, ALCS. That's where you got to get to. You get to there and we can reevaluate things. You don't you don't reach that mark. I'm sorry, we gotta we gotta start thinking in another direction. I mean, I was gonna say the same thing basically. I don't see how Cashman keeps his job if they don't make the playoffs because no, plus he's point, wasted the definitely... best years of all their young talent. He's yeah. wasted them. Yeah. If they don't make it to at least that mark, you look at guys like Judge is gonna be close, you know, pretty much 30 by next year, I think. Uh Sanchez. Even Torres now, you're you're wasting a lot of these young guys who are supposed to be uber talented. You're wasting their careers. Wasting. Yeah. I don't think no, that's I something that, 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 that the Steinbrenner is going to want to do forever. Yeah. I don't know if rebuild is necessarily so much as a philosophy change might be in order for yes. the Yankees. Yeah. All right. I don't think um, it's a talent change because they could take this town and probably win it all. I think it's definitely a philosophy change. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll move off of that. And I tell you this, Eric, splitting a four game series, tying a four game series, tying anything. The old adage is a tie is like kissing your sister. You're not really doing anything. But if you're the New York Mets and you split a four game series with the San Diego Padres, who have kind of emerged along with the Dodgers and the Giants of being the class of the National League. Uh, I got to be honest, that was a pretty fucking good start to the month of June. West Coast road trip last week, the Mets won four of seven games, two of three from the Diamondbacks, and then they won the last two games against the Padres. Of course, they're losing right now to the Orioles, which isn't good. But I'm pretty – I was pretty pleased to see them win those last two games, the way it's going. And they still are hold, clinging on to that three-and-a-half-game lead over the Braves for um, top team in the National League East. Yes, all right, they still have scored less runs than every team in baseball. They've still given up less runs than every team in baseball, too. They've still scored more runs than they have allowed for the second straight week, which is fucking shocking. Francisco Lindor is actually hitting over 200 now, which is amazing. I, at this point, if Lindor is able to finish the season at 275 with a batting average, uh, I, I'd sign up for that. I'd be fine with that. So the team is kind of showing, you know, I, I don't want to speak too soon because, you know, we ran down their schedule last week. 
And there's still a lot more of June to go here. And June is always a do-or-die month for the Mets. I mean, they've had, what was it, 2018? They went like 5-21 and 21 or something. They've had plenty of those Junes. So I don't want to speak too soon, but at the very least, they got the month um, off on the right track. Peterson's pitching tonight, and I'm just about done with David Peterson. I like him, but he can't ever escape the big inning. Can't ever get away from the big inning. Dude will be moving along. He'll be doing fine. And then all of a sudden he puts a five spot on the board against them. It's just, it's, that's bad. It would be nice to see Carlos Carrasco pitch at some point this year. So maybe we could avoid having bullpen games every fifth day. Cause I, the idea of the Mets willingly pitching their bullpen in an entire game, dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. Why they're embracing this. I don't understand. So you got that. Um, hopefully, guys like McNeil and Conforto are able to come back towards the end of the month. I think McNeil's about to start a rehab assignment. So we have that. God only knows if Brandon Nimmo and J.D. Davis will be back at some point this year because they've gone completely MIA. Well, let me ask you a question real quick. Sure. If you're playing so well right now. I didn't say that one. I didn't say that one. No, 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 I'm saying if you're playing as well as you are right now, and you're, I don't you're, agree. You're, you're like, you're, you're, you're doing well. Why would you necessarily want to get all these players back right now? If the combination of what you're putting on the field right now is winning nightly, and the combination you had before when these guys were all, when these guys weren't on the field wasn't winning as often, wouldn't you want to stick with the lineup that seems to be winning? Well, I mean, in all fairness, I feel like they're winning about the same now that they did when Conforto and McNeil were in the lineup. Because you remember correctly, McNeil was starting to get going for those three or four games before he got hurt. Because that was the week he got into the fight with Lindor over the squirrel and the um Oh, what was what was it? It was oh God. It was squirrel or what? You know what possum I'm talking about. There you go. Po- squirrel, possum, rat, something like that. Yeah. Um it was, it was right around that time. So he was starting to get going. Conforto kind of showed some signs of life. I don't think this team is doing well, per se, so much as scraping by and not dying. And I listen, I get the point that you're making because it's a very fair point. But I'm sorry. I look at this lineup right now. I see guys like Billy McKinney and Kevin Pillar and Jonathan Fiar playing significant and Jose Peraza playing significant roles for the Mets right now. And to me, that's not sustainable. McNeil is better than what he showed before he went down. Conforto. Yeah. All right. That's, that's, well, let me put it to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it to you this way real quick. The year the Yankees won 103 games a couple years ago. Yeah. Do you know they had Stanton, Judge, and Torres in the lineup? Guess how many games that season together? Well, like three or something. Three. 103 huh. games. They need well, yeah. Games. You can do it with the other guys. If you're winning, you're winning. Stick with what's winning. No, but listen, even you guys didn't stick with what was winning when those guys came and back. You're not you guys- winning as much. Yeah, but you weren't going to be winning more games with Cameron Mabrin and Mike Talkman in the lineup as opposed to Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton. Let's be honest on that one. Um, I'll say this. I would feel more confident having Conforto, McNeil, David. What? I like Talkman. Hey, I, listen, 
I didn't say that as a knock on Talkman, but you know you weren't starting Talkman over Judge. Maybe you could start Talkman over a Gardner or a Hicks. I'll give you that one. But I'm saying over those guys, you're not starting Talkman over those guys is all I'm saying. But the idea of having Conforto, McNeil, Nimmo, and J.D. Davis come back, and then you have this fucking high-powered bench. If McKinney is really legit, and that's your first guy off the bench to go with a defensive wizard in Pilar, a guy in VR who's had some big hits, he was not signed to start every day. He was signed to be your utility infielder. And he's played well. I, I can fully attest the guy's played well. The idea of that being the first infielder off your bench, and then you know you have what you have in terms of the depth, I'd rather have your starters back and a high-powered bench who you can feel confident in if you need a pinch hit um, in, a, in a seventh and eighth inning of a big game because you've seen them deliver for you throughout the season. That's what I want, depth. That's what you guys had. That's what I've been screaming I want for about three years now. That's what I want. Right, maybe you'll get it. Yeah, I mean, the replacements have been nice and everything, but there's no way this is sustainable, in my opinion. And we're losing 4-2 to two now in the end of the third inning to the fucking Baltimore Orioles. So the idea that we're winning every night, nah, Eric, nah, nah, sorry. So you're trying to do what Cousin David did and what you've been laughing at Cousin David for doing because Cousin David's able no, to put it'll jinx on. on me. You guys will win 20 straight. That's the difference. Uh, your lips to God's ears. Your so. lips to God's ears. Oh, no, I just dropped the cigarette. Um, all right. I have to find a cigarette before I light my room on fire. Uh, can you stall for a minute, please? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't got much for you on the Mets here, but or the rest of baseball right now... Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, anything else you got going, coming up? Uh, I'm excited to see Loki this week. Throw that out there. It's just a non-sports thing to end the show with. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are. If you're looking forward to that, I'm sure you'll be watching. I think it comes out Wednesday. Uh, hearing all sorts of good things uh, so far. So, hoping that it continues to uh, trend that way. Hopefully, we enjoy it just as much. But, uh, yeah, interested to hear if you have any uh, pre-thoughts. On All right. Sorry, I just made myself really out of breath, and I no, think I, I pulled something sorry. in my I shoulder. I was just saying, I was wondering if you had any pre-thoughts on... Uh, yeah, on no, I, I heard I heard what you were saying while I was straining, and I think I pulled my shoulder, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm out of breath. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Loki. I know you're a little down on the MCU shows, but I'm still I'm still... Happy with what I've seen so far. I mean, I, we've said this before. I feel like with WandaVision, everybody, I mean, no disrespect. I feel like everybody kind of put the cart before the horse with all um, the theories and everything. And I think everybody kind of got lost in it. And obviously, the actors in Marvel themselves helped pull that hype's train at 150 miles an hour. So I get it and everything. But... I still think that was a lot of the reason for the disappointment in that series. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I just enjoyed watching every episode, taking it for what it was. Um, so to see Loki, I'm just I'm looking forward to the ride, man. Six episodes here. I think it's going to be a good series. We're going to get Black Widow in a month. And I know you've said you're not excited for the movie anymore. And obviously, waiting a year and a half for the movie. Excuse me. We'll do that to you. But um, 
I'm still looking forward to everything well, coming they, out. I guess uh, Jimmy Kimball spoiled it the other day that I guess um, one character, I think uh, Melina, is going to be the... Um, uh, y- Yelena Belova. Uh, Iron, yeah, yeah. No, 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 not Yelena Belova. The other one, uh, Rachel Weiss's, not um, Rachel Weiss's character. I don't know her name. Her but, name, I uh, think, is Melinda. Melinda Vostokov. And okay. She's a part of like that family or whatever, but she ends up being, uh, I guess, Iron Maiden, which is, I guess, uh, I think a. Uh, I don't know if a bad guy uh, or something in the comics, but anyway, being a spoiler because I think it's going to play some kind of role in there. But he wasn't supposed to like say the character's last name because that gave oh. away like the reveal of it, I guess. And well, that's fantastic. So it's like yeah, it's just like less to get hyped over because you're just like, oh, all right, well, there's one more thing that's just guaranteed to be confirmed right there. Yeah, I could have lived without hearing that. I mean, I don't even know what character she was in the comics or whatever, because I can't say I've particularly heard of that character. But um, I don't know. I'm still looking forward to the ride. I'm still looking forward to it. It's Marvel. I'm sorry. Marvel's got a lot of goodwill for me, and it doesn't go away just because of what I've seen with um, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm still fine with no, what I've I mean, seen I'm so still far. I'm going to watch it, but it's just yeah. like I'm... I'm not going to be like as crazy hyped for it or diving in as crazy. I think I'm just going to let it play out more. So I took that's the way to do it. Soldier and like, you know, I'm just going to, but I don't know. I still think Marvel is struggling to find its legs here after Endgame. I Especially, think, I think do- listen, I think there's such a long layoff between movies really hurts them too because puts a lot of space between Endgame and whatever's happening next. And, like, you have a lot of stuff. I don't know. It puts a lot of space in there. Well, I agree with that second point. I Struggling to find their legs after Endgame, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that one. I just, And we could go back and forth on this all day. So, I mean, we're not going to do that. But I just think it's a fact of you ha- after something as massive as Endgame, I think you kind of have to deconstruct yourself a little bit before you build yourself back up. And I just think we're in the midst of that right now. And yes, pandemic did not help anything. The fact that this movie was supposed to come out over a year ago does not help anything, but it's still Marvel and it's still good with me until they make a stinker. So um, the one, the one thing I want to bring up to you because me and cousin David, we've done a couple of these over the last months. um, And I had told you this when it started any biography they've been doing some wwe wrestlers over the last couple months dark side of the ring came back about a month and a half ago so me and cousin david have kind of been reviewing uh the ones that we've seen and i think i told you this they had a nice stone cold steve austin biography roddy piper randy savages was a bit of a hit job uh they did booker t Shawn michaels the Shawn michaels one was pretty good um, I feel like I'm leaving one out. They did, um, Mick Foley was probably my favorite one of the season, but they had a really good one this past week. Me and cousin David did not get to review Brett Hitman Hart one. That was really good. That was really good. If you get a chance, definitely check it out on a replay or something. All right. I will yep. check that show out eventually, or at least some of them anyway. Um, I oh, know they did the, the next one. I heard that there's another one coming out. 
but I have a feeling it's going to be an absolute hit piece. Is going to be. Uh, oh, you're talking about China, China aren't you? China. Yeah. yeah. That is different than Dark Side of the Ring. Vice is the yeah, network that is doing it. Yeah, yeah um, the same type of concept, though. I I don't think it's going to be a hit piece, though, because WB. I mean, I don't think WB has anything to gain if they were to do a hit piece on her. I I just think it's not going to pull any punches on her. Um, but she's a sympathetic character. If you look at everything she went through after she left WB, I mean, she basically got ostracized. In large part because her and Triple H broke up and Triple H married the boss's daughter. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah. So I don't see how you completely do a hit piece on that. And Vice has proved one thing with what they let the dark side of the ring guys do. They are not beholden to WWE at all. If they want to make WWE look bad about something, they're going to make them look bad about something. So they don't ask WB for permission to do shit like this. So I well, maybe Vice, I, maybe Vice is not asking permission either. I don't. I can't see why they would, because Dark Side of the Ring has had a lot of success, highest rated show in the history of the channel, and they don't ask WB for permission, and they don't pull punches on WB. Having said that, though, Dark Side of the Ring. Conclude uh, concludes their first half of the third season this week. They're doing the Dynamite Kid. They had a brutal episode last week about Jake the Snake Roberts' family. And his father was a pedophile, but we're not going to get into that now because I know you don't like talking about things like that. It was fucking brutal. Second half of the season, I think we're about... It's probably going to come out sometime in the fall. Two episodes that me and Cousin David are really looking forward to. I'm sure you've heard about both these things in the play past. Have you ever heard of the plane ride from hell? No. You never heard of the plane ride from hell? Okay. 2002. 2002. This was right after the failed WCW invasion. This was, you know, the NWO was coming back. You had Ric Flair. You had all these WCW guys reintegrated to the WWE's roster. They're on a... European tour overseas. They did the uh, the pay per view. It was a England only pay per view called WWE Insurrection, and the, this is the plane ride back to the states from that European tour. And all I'm gonna say, I mean, there's a lot of wild stories that came out of this. This is this has been the stuff of legends for the last 20 years. The plane gets delayed upon takeoff, and all these guys with ample amounts and access to booze, get drunk off their ass. And basically every wild story you ever heard about boys being boys and locker room hijinks, all this shit happens on this plane right in secession. Um, to give you some highlights, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar had a wrestling match where they almost ejected the plane and knocked the emergency exit off the door. Rick Flair's walking around the plane in nothing but his robe and his uh, snakeskin shoes. Um, Michael PSAs pisses off half the plane to the point where X-Pac cuts off his ponytail. Um, and there's a number of other things uh, about this. So many people got in trouble for this shit. They changed a lot of rules as a result of this. But they're going to go into this entire story in the second half of the season. I'm looking forward to that one. So you never heard yeah, anything about you. No, you never heard anything about this. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is um, 
You remember the steroid trial, right? The United States versus Vince McMahon, the steroid trial in the 90s? Yeah. Okay. They're doing that, and they actually got Jerry McDivitt, the longtime attorney of Vince McMahon in the WWE, to sit down and do an interview with them for this. Oh. Yeah. So uh, that one should be very interesting just to see what he has to say in this, because I said they don't pull any punches and they'll make Vince look like the bad guy. If you know anything about this steroid trial, you know, Vince McMahon is not the bad guy here. So it sounds like they, they tried at least to do him justice on this. So but that's all I wanted to throw in on on that there. Um, I don't know if you got anything else. No, that's it. That's all I got for you this week. Yep. All right, man. Well, I think that'll do it for us here this week. Dave Hastings should be back with us next week. Thank you to everybody who listened to us on all our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Eric Tressler, let's do some final thoughts. Stay sweaty. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes, and I am Mike Aglialoro. Thank you all for listening to us, and we will see you all next week.